Well, let me say hello uh, to the uh, congregation that's watching this at the Allison campus on Sunday morning, and I want to welcome everyone here uh, that as we continue on in our series called I Am a Church Member. And today we come to message three, and we are calling it Honoring Spiritual Leadership. You know, leadership is a funny thing in the life of a church. I honestly believe we're divided in our minds on how to respond to leadership. I think of uh, Romans 12, and um, it talks about the different roles that people play in the body of Christ. Um, Paul writes, starting in verse 6, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Uh, so if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. And if it is giving, give generously. And if God has given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. So buried in that description of different gifts within the body of Christ is the gift of leadership. There are those who've been given the spiritual gift of leadership. And yet when I begin to read about leadership in the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament, it kind of, well, it just really, I don't know how to put it except to say, I want to proceed with extreme caution. Because it seems like Everyone who is given that call to lead other people to follow God's will in their life seem to find their lives filled with temptations, struggles, suffering, hardship. Um, now, there's great reward in knowing that you're doing what God's called you to do, but I want to say it again. It's still filled with tremendous confusion and frustrations and frustrations and turbulations. I can't think of any other shuns right now. You know, I think, of, I think of, the, of Joseph, I think of Moses, I think of Joshua and Caleb. I always loved the story of Joshua and Caleb. Here they were, leaders, they were um, leading with the people who God had delivered from Egypt out of slavery. Here they are, they're on the border of the promised land. Um, they, along with 10 others, go in to spy out the land. 10 come back with a negative report. They say, those 10 go, we're grasshoppers. Why, Moses, did you lead us to this place? We're going to be destroyed. And then you read in, in Numbers 14 that Joshua and Caleb were so frustrated that they ripped their clothes in sorrow and despair and anger. Who knows what? I mean, they were frustrated. Have you ever ripped your clothes apart because you're so frustrated? And, and they just can't believe that they, the people would not trust God at this time and would not trust the leadership God had appointed to them and those people would not follow. Wow. And then, of course, I think of Saul, King Saul, and how he started off so well and ended so poorly. I think of King David, who had the great call and yet struggled and fell as well. And, and I think of Isaiah the prophet and Jeremiah the prophet, who gave spiritual leadership to the nation, and basically they were um, rejected. And dozens of others of lesser lights who faced their own leadership challenges. And of course, that's just the Old Testament. And then you get into the New Testament. And of course, I think of Jesus leading the disciples. And so often they just didn't seem to get it. And then I think of Paul leading the churches and he literally 
poured out his blood across Asia Minor trying to lead those churches. I mean, he ended his life in a dungeon and being executed by the Emperor Nero. And I think of Timothy, where Paul wrote a couple of letters to, and as a young church leader and pastor. And, and again, Paul reminding Timothy of the great call of spiritual leadership. And as I said, struggles and temptations and suffering and frustration are all part of a leader's journey. But they still want to go down this path because they hear this call by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of people. Come follow me and let's build the kingdom of God. Come follow me because this is where God wants you to be and to do in this moment. But like I said, leadership is a funny thing in the life of a church. People love it and people hate it. You know, I think of the danger spiritual leadership faces. And if you have your um, outline with you, please follow along because I, I came across a book recently that describes the challenges leaders face in leading others. Now, it's not a, it's not a religious book per se, but it's a, it's a book that makes some good observations that are common challenges that leaders face. And in fact, in this book, it's called, actually the book is called Multiplier. Um, it speaks of one specific danger that I think is very appropriate for spiritual leadership as well. The central danger that this book points out is that leaders can become diminishers instead of equippers. Or multipliers, I guess, is how the book puts it. But, but the more I thought about it from our context, we're always trying to equip people to be doing God's work. And I said, yeah, that's our danger. We can become diminishers rather than equippers. Spiritual leadership can do this. And some of the characteristics of leaders who fall into this danger is that, well, first of all, we become know-it-alls. Um, we, give, we just give people directions to showcase how much we really know, you know. Uh, then after that, we also can become a tyrant where we create a tense environment that suppresses people's thinking and capability. And then we move on to that and we finally start to become the decision maker where we just make centralized, abrupt decisions that confuse the organization. Like, why are we going there? I don't know. Why are we going? I, he made the decision. She made the decision. And then we move on to that where we micromanage, where we... We drive the results where we keep our fingers on into everything. And finally, we then become an empire builder where we hoard resources and we drive everything to, to the ends that make us look good as leaders. You know, I, it, it says, uh, Paul, when writing to Timothy, says this about spiritual leadership. He says, the devil sets traps for spiritual leaders. And ultimately, when you think about these diminishing uh, behaviors of leadership in the life of a local church, what's behind those behaviors? And I would say it's rooted in a mindset that the leader finally comes to that place that says, my little agenda is more important than God's mission for this church. You know, I think sometimes leaders have these little agendas and they forget that the grand mission that God calls his church is the salvation of souls in Jesus Christ. And when all of a sudden, though, I lose sight of that grand mission, 
And I begin, or another spiritual leadership in this church begins to become, becomes, well, I just start to say, I'm going to make it all about me. Well, that's when I fall into the trap of becoming self-centered, self-focused, bitter, cynical, and even whiny. Oh, poor me. You know, one pastor put it this way, avoid vanity. Don't try to replace the Lord Jesus Christ in his own house. I love that quote. You know, I was reading some illustrations about the dangers that leaders face around pride and ego and self-centeredness, and I came across this one. From another era, there was this Joseph Parker, true pastor. He was an egotistical pastor who was a contemporary of Charles Haddon Spurgeon, who was a famous preacher in London back uh, in the 1800s. And actually, though, this Joseph Parker, people said of him, he could strut sitting down. And when the architect apparently was designing the blueprints for the city temple, the church he preached in, in London, he tossed them aside with this statement. I want you to draw us plans for a church so that when Queen Victoria drives by, she will ask, who preaches there? And once approached by a pastoral search committee from a smaller church, he replied with a single sentence in response to them. An eagle does not roost in a sparrow's nest. You know, when it, when it becomes all about me, the spiritual leader is in danger. Now, please understand, I don't think most of us who hear the call to spiritual leadership necessarily start out this way. Maybe we do in a way, but I really believe in my heart, in the hearts of others, we hear the call of Jesus. Feed my sheep, love my sheep, lead the flock of God. So now the question becomes, because this whole series is about I am a church member, the, one of the questions that both Brent and I, as we were putting this series together, said we really got to wrestle with is this. It's one of those elephants in the room is what's that dance that members with the leaders of the church have to get into? How do we get into a nice two-step without stepping on each other's toes? Because there's always this tension. Actually, I'm going to go a little offline from my notes right now because I'm going to share with you one other thing. Hopefully, I stay in. Yeah, I think I can do it. Um, it's interesting. I was uh, attending a study of the sociology of Canadians. And the growing trait of Canadians, it starts with people here in their 60s. It gets more obvious for people in their 40s, and it's very obvious for people in their 20s, and I know I have people in all those age groups right now here, that actually this sociologist said at this conference I was at, he said, Canadians are growing more and more autonomous. Canadians distrust leadership. Canadians don't basically like to be told what to do. Canadians look at any type of leadership, academic leadership, governmental leadership, business leadership, and immediately there is distrust. Interesting. That's the sociology of Canadians. And that is the environment and culture you come from, I come from, and then we come into this church and we come to the Word of God and we read this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. Listen. 
Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peacefully with each other. Now, in our culture, we, I believe, don't know how to resonate with that. That doesn't fit well or suit us well. We start to question, well, what does honor really mean? And I won't even read you the passage in Hebrews. It gets everybody really worked up. But it's down in the pledge. You'll see it in a moment. Because we don't know what to do with that. So what do we do with that? Because I think that the first problem we have is though, but I know my pastor. He's been here for like over 27 years. I've seen him. I know these other people who are giving spiritual leadership in our church. I know people on the board. I know people on our senior team. I know people who are leading small groups. I know people give leadership to our worship ministries or to other ministries in the church. And they're not perfect. No, they're not. And just as a reminder, no church member is perfect either. So what do we do? Well, I think this is where it's important that we look at this word of God here and remind ourselves why we honor them. Notice what it says here. Let's go back to this verse. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. We need to honor them for the work that they are called to do. I think sometimes we get caught up in looking at a personality or a style and we say, that doesn't fit my style. And we forget that there is a very special work spiritual leadership in the church is called to do. And what is that work, you might ask? Well, to, there's lots of ways to describe it, but let me describe it in a few ways. The work that spiritual leadership in a church is called to give is gospel work, first and foremost. And what is gospel work? Gospel work is this. It's where we help people engage in the good news of what God has done in Jesus. And what has God done in Jesus? I'm going to give you a very simple sentence that describes the gospel, I believe. We are more flawed than we ever dare to admit, and we're more loved than we ever dare to imagine. See, I'm not sure why it's so hard to get this simple truth, but a lot of people misunderstand the gospel at this point. They think we're just mistakers. We just make mistakes in life. The Bible says we are sinners. We are far from God. And the only way that we can live life with purpose, where we become spiritually alive, is when we get our relationship with God right. And that is only through Jesus Christ. The only thing I qualify for is to die myself in my own sins and pay the penalty and be far from God for now and forever. And my destiny is hell. And yet in Jesus, the Bible tells me he took my place. I was shown mercy and I was shown grace. And when I put my faith in him, I have a relationship with God. And I become spiritually alive. And all the blessings that are in Christ are now mine for now and forever. That's the good news. That then shapes everything else. Because now I'm called to not only follow Jesus, but to become like Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. And now my life is going to be shaped in how I live, how I act, how I love, 
how I work, how I think. The gospel changes everything. That's the work that the spiritual leadership in any church, that's the center of what they are called to do and to be. And that's why we honor spiritual leadership. You know, I also think about what spiritual leadership does. It has to encourage Because I'm convinced the biggest thing spiritual leadership has to encourage people in the life of a church is we have to encourage you to trust God rather than trust yourself. We got to say, trust God. Trust God's way on forgiveness. And you say, no way. And we encourage you. We challenge you. And at times we'll rebuke you. But we have to encourage you. And trust God in how you love others. And trust God in how you give. And trust God in how you live. Trust God to live with purity and with faith and with hope. Trust God instead of trusting yourself. That's the work we do. And also the work we do is we preach and we teach the word of God. It's interesting that it does say that those who work hard at both preaching and teaching, it says should be worth double honor. They bring words of life and wisdom. You know, it it amazes me how I'll listen to other people who are preaching the word of God and at times that's the very word I need to hear because it isn't just the pastor saying it. It isn't just the preacher teaching it. It isn't just the teacher telling it. It is God himself speaking through that person saying, listen, this is what you need to know. This is what you need to do. This is the word of hope you need to have. This is the word you need to obey. Stop being stiff-necked. Stop being stubborn. Wake up. Don't go to sleep. This is important. This is eternity. This is now. This will shape decisions and impact your family to the third and fourth generations. That's why we honor the spiritual leadership of the church. And then it says wholeheartedly love them because of their work. Wholeheartedly love them. And and I I, I love this thing that Brent found out for me. He he says that the word wholehearted can be literally translated as superabundant. So what does it mean to love your spiritual leadership superabundantly? Wow. I mean, the whole idea of superabundant is, is it means the highest form of comparison imaginable. I mean, imagine... If you, if you said, okay, I, I got to love, wholeheartedly love my, my spiritual leadership super abundantly. And, 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 and le- listen, you know why you love them? Because the Bible says that the spiritual leadership of a church has to keep watch over your souls. The spiritual leadership of this church, starting with me, starting with the senior team, starting with all the other ones who are, who, the board, everyone... They pray for you. They grieve when they see Satan lay a trap for you and you fall into it. They grieve when they see you not responding to the gospel of Jesus Christ. They they watch over your soul. And here's the other way that we discover in this um, very simple passage how we are to help our spiritual leaders, what our spiritual leaders need. We're to honor the work they do. We're to wholeheartedly love them. And finally, we're just to get along with each other. You know, when there is division, the body suffers, the mission suffers, God's reputation suffers. And I want to be honest, I'll just speak as a pastor, I suffer. Because now I go, so-and-so 
didn't show service or kindness to this person. So-and-so came in with an attitude of, I want my rights, instead of saying, I want to put a towel over my arm and serve in the name of Jesus. Just get along with each other. Now, we come to the final part of this message, the key to honoring, respecting, and loving spiritual leadership. 1 Thessalonians 5.25. It's a three simple words. Paul asked the church to do, and Paul was a spiritual leader, and I want to take those three little words and say, this is all I'm going to ask you to do. You may want to disagree and say, well, Dave, I still don't understand completely what it means to honor you or respect you. Dave, I don't know what it means to understand and respect the board or whatever, but I'll just simply ask you to do this. Would you pray for us? Do you know, I, I think there are homes in which people leave church and have roast pastor for lunch. And I want to have homes that when they go home, they're going to have pray pastor for lunch, pray for the board for lunch, pray for the journey group leaders at lunch, pray for those who are doing special ministries like marriage care and grief share and men's ministry and women's ministry and children's ministry and youth ministry and facilities ministry and financial ministry and every other type of ministry, every outreach ministry, every recreational ministry, we're going to be praying at lunch for all of our spiritual leadership. Why? Because we need strength, we need encouragement, we need power from on high. Because this, we are battling for people's souls. And that's why if you're going to be a good church member, you will honor your spiritual leadership. Now at this time, I'm going to hand this over to the leadership at the Allison Church as we move to our time of our pledge, our third pledge as church members. Well, we come now here just to this evening. Now I can talk completely in our time this evening. But could everybody, does everybody have a copy of this right now? Let's do this. Let's do this. If you don't have a copy, raise your hand. Okay, you got a copy? Good. I want you to just rip off the bottom of the pledge section. And we are going to just take a moment to prayerfully think about this pledge and sign it. I want to read this pledge about what it means to be I'm a supportive church member. Let me read this. I will pray for my pastors and spiritual leadership of my church every day. They are the ones who keep watch over my soul and therefore I will honor their position. As they lead my church in a trustworthy way, I will join them, I will support them, imitate their faith, and most of all, love them as we together accomplish God's mission. Now, if you don't have a copy, make sure you have one. I'm just going to take a moment, and we're just going to have a moment of just prayerful silence, and just ask you, would you sign that? Because then we're just going to come to the Lord's Supper right now as a sign of our commitment to Jesus and to the church that he died for. Let's take a moment and prayerfully make that your own pledge. Lord, as people are looking at this pledge in this moment, this evening, there's this passage in Hebrews 13, 17 that, again, in our culture, we find it so hard to understand or we buck up against, but Lord, this is what your word says. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. 
Their work is to watch over your souls, and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. Lord, help us to see that it's for our benefit when the spiritual leadership and the rest of the body of Christ join together in love and support and seeking your way and your will. Lord, again, we thank you for those who've been given the gift of leadership, have been given the gift of preaching and teaching, have been given the gift of pastoral leadership in this church. Lord, we just ask that you would protect them and bless them. And Lord, most of all, that we all as church members, all of us, would be supportive. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.